1: Biden to redeploy troops to Somalia. This decision was based on a request from Secretary Austin. The FDA reaches an agreement with Abbott on baby formula.
2: It would allow manufacturing to resume at that Michigan plant with some
3: stipulations.
1: Inflation and its impact on the midterm elections.
3: Anyone who spends any time with normal people, you know, off Capitol Hill, that's all people are talking about.
1: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, May 17th. I'm Mike Scott. The latest on the war in Ukraine has Russian forces pounding targets in the industrial heartland of eastern Ukraine, known as the Donbass. But Ukrainian troops also advanced as Russian forces pulled back from around the northeast city of Kharkiv in recent days. However, British military authorities say the presence of Belarusian forces on the border may force Ukrainian troops to stay in the area instead of going to support operations in the eastern Donbass. Chris Tuck, who's a land warfare expert from King's College London, says he sees no quick end to the Russian Ukraine war. The chances, I think, of a rapid Russian success um, have gone.
4: I think it is about attrition and about what the effects of that attrition will be in a material and political sense. And it, and it won't be, I think, um, a quick resolution to the crisis.
1: Tuck says many analysts thought Russia would win quickly, but that has not happened. They withdrew from around uh, Kiev in order to concentrate their forces to
4: attack uh, uh, eastern Ukraine, take the Donbass. And what is interesting is the extent to which they have now, uh, are now in the process,
1: I think, of failing at that. And according to a statement from the British Defense Ministry, Russia has likely lost a third of its ground troops in Ukraine. Retired Admiral James Stavridis, a former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, Join the Salem Radio Network to discuss Russia's inability to gain ground in Ukraine.
4: The Brits are kind of in the middle. So when you see something from British intelligence, British government, I think that's uh, the best balance source out there. In terms of what this means, if in fact their assessment is correct, that they have lost a third of their combat power, that's north of 30,000 troops either killed or wounded, These are staggering levels of casualties. To put that in context, in World War II, the branch of the service that suffered the most was the U.S. submarine force, particularly in the Pacific. They lost about 10 percent of the force in four years of war. Here are the Russians losing 30 percent of their forces in not even three months of war. So this is a staggering level of casualties. And the ripple effect back into Russian society
1: is just beginning. Stavridis also points out how important it is that Ukrainians are pushing Russian troops away from their second largest city, Kharkiv. Uh, The other very significant element
4: on the battlefield is not only the lack of Russian progress on those battle lines to the southeast, but also a, a bit north of that in the northeast the Ukrainians are pushing the Russians away from Kharkiv, their second largest city. They're, if you will, liberating Los Angeles in U.S. speak. So it, it's been a pretty good uh, week for the Ukrainians. And, and of course, uh, last thought, um, Sweden and Finland signing up to join NATO, uh, a very significant development at the diplomatic level.
1: President Joe Biden signed an order Monday redeploying hundreds of U.S. troops to Somalia to counter the Islamic extremist rebel group Al-Shabaab. The order reverses President Donald Trump's late-term decision to withdraw forces from the country. U.S. troops will be repositioned elsewhere in Africa to train and provide other support to Somali forces in their fight against Al-Shabaab which is considered the largest and wealthiest affiliate of the al-Qaeda extremist organization. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby says the president has signed that order to redeploy U.S. troops. This decision
2: was based on a request from Secretary Austin uh, and uh, included advice from senior commanders and of course uh, concern for the safety of our troops who have incurred additional risk by deploying in and out of Somalia on an episodic basis for the past 16 months. Kirby
1: says American troops will not be taking on militants themselves. Our
2: forces are not now nor will they be directly engaged in combat operations. The purpose here is to enable a more effective fight against al-Shabaab by local forces, uh, which and al-Shabaab has increased in their strength and poses a heightened threat.
1: Kirby went on to explain to reporters that U.S. troops have been rotating in and out of Somalia Since then, President Donald Trump ordered their withdrawal shortly before leaving office.
2: Our view was, the secretary's view was, that uh, that episodic engagement model uh, was inefficient and increasingly unsustainable. Forces also lost time on target and critical situational awareness needed to detect and disrupt an enemy attack.
1: Baby formula manufacturer Abbott Nutrition on Monday said it has reached an agreement with the Food and Drug Administration on a path to restart operations at its Sturgis, Michigan plant. CNBC's Valerie Castro discusses details of that agreement.
2: The Justice Department filed a complaint today along with a proposed consent decree between the FDA and Abbott Laboratories. It would allow manufacturing to resume at that Michigan plant with some stipulations. Abbott will have to bring in outside expert assistance to ensure safety compliance and there will also be new testing requirements and the company must promptly notify the FDA of any contamination.
1: Castro says that even while Abbott and the FDA have come to an agreement the White House is still in talks with other manufacturers.
2: Meanwhile, a White House official says talks are ongoing with the four major manufacturers, Reckitt, Abbott, Nestle-Gerber, and Perigo, to help resolve logistical hurdles, expand the amount of approved formula being imported, and working with major retailers to bring more formula to areas of the country with critically low supply.
1: Castro also points out that as Congress is set to move on the formula crisis, legislation will need to be debated.
2: Congress is also expected to take legislative action this week to address the shortage. Today, the FDA said it will encourage overseas manufacturers to ship formula to the U.S. The White House says the FDA will prioritize applications that are most likely to be successful to get formulas on formula on store shelves as quickly as possible.
1: Abbott says that the FDA has not been able to definitively link its formula to any illness. company said it has been making corrective improvements to address some FDA concerns. More information is coming out regarding the deadly shootings that happened across the country over the weekend. The gunman in the attack in Southern California was David Chu, a 68-year-old Chinese immigrant and American citizen. According to officials, he was allegedly motivated by hatred for Taiwanese people. At a news conference, Orange County Sheriff Don Barnes says the shooting was likely an isolated incident based on information we've collected, and I'm not going to go into the details of that evidence. Uh, was a politically motivated hate incident, a grievance that this individual had between himself and the Taiwanese community at large. Barnes says officials may have a motive for the shooting based on preliminary information in the investigation. It is believed the suspect involved was upset about political tensions between China and Taiwan. Meantime, in the case of the tragedy of the Topps grocery store shooting in Buffalo, New York, officials are taking a closer look at what many believe were missed red flags. Less than a year after Peyton Gendron was investigated for making threatening statements at school, he legally purchased a firearm, which he is accused of using to gun down 10 black people in a racist rampage, according to police investigators. In fact, the FBI says the shooting suspect was not on their radar.
4: This individual was not on the radar of the FBI. And to my knowledge, he was not on the radar radar beyond um, the incident with the state police.
1: Leo Torrell, a civil rights attorney, joined Fox News to discuss... The tragedy unfolding in buffalo it was motivated by race that's undisputed he hated black people he wanted to go after black
0: americans and unfortunately he was successful the pain of that
1: resonates with the entire country and yet what we have to realize is this type of hate exists on both sides and the application of justice has to be applied equally and fairly no official involved in the investigation last year initiated a court process that could have helped prevent Gendron from buying the rifle, according to a New York State police spokesperson. State legislators are now looking into whether those involved followed proper protocols. A victory for Senator Ted Cruz before the U.S. Supreme Court. The case, which challenges the limit of the amount of campaign funds that could be used to pay back personal loans, was brought by the Texas senator. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has details on... That story. Cruz successfully argued candidates who donate money to their own campaigns should be allowed to use more than the current limit of $250,000 in post election campaign donations to pay themselves back. The court's conservative majority agreed the limit amounts to a restriction on free speech. Three liberal justices dissented. They fear allowing post election campaign contributions to be used to pay back a candidate's personal loans could engender an atmosphere of quid pro quo, with the officeholder finding ways to pay back wealthy donors for years to come. Bob Agnew reporting. Consumer inflation rose 8.3% in April, more than the 8.1% Dow Jones estimate and near the highest level in more than 40 years. Rising costs of food, gas, and other necessities are falling especially hard on lower-income Americans, posing a challenge for President Biden and the nation's top economic policymakers, particularly with the critical midterm elections on the horizon. Jennifer Van Laar, Red State's managing editor and co-host of Sounds Right with Jen and Scott, joins the Daybreak Insider podcast discussing the messaging from both Democrats and Republicans on the issue of inflation and how it will impact the midterms.
3: I don't think that the Democrats have been able to connect very well at all with normal everyday voters on these kitchen table issues, they're just completely disconnected, especially if you think back to Nancy Pelosi with her refrigerator or her freezer of her ice cream that, what was it, $13 a a little container. That's not anything that any of us ever buy, you know, Uh, and going to baby formula, even if you can find it, it's very expensive. And just with gas prices, then you have to spend the the gas money to go find it or just gas to go do your normal things that you do as a family.
1: Van Lauer explains the recent report of Democrat Representative Katie Porter, who discussed how inflation was impacting her own family.
3: So she's a single mom and obviously makes a pretty good salary in Congress. But she said she was at the grocery store and she just picked up bacon and put it in her cart not thinking about the price and then saw that it was nine ninety nine and put it back on the shelf because she had to start making some choices of how how much she could purchase with the prices being so much higher than what she was used to and so she told her caucus about that and kind of tearfully and, and emotionally and she'd been sharing for months like hey inflation is hitting my family I have teenage kids and they eat a lot and People in her caucus were just kind of, oh, whatever. And she uh, thought that she tr- changed some minds during that meeting. But then later, some of her colleagues and, or whoever was listening to the meeting went to Politico and kind of shamed her for complaining about the inflation.
1: Van Laar says that one of Porter's Democrat colleagues didn't understand how bad inflation was simply because it didn't show up in their polling.
3: It highlights their reliance on polls. And, you know, the poll is only as good as the questions that it's asked and the people that they're targeting. And so if they're not seeing that come up in the polls, uh, Katie Porter even told them, well, you don't know what to ask. (laughs) And she's 100% right there. I hate to admit it because we're trying to defeat her out in California this year. But she's right. I mean, anyone who spends any time with normal people, you know, off Capitol Hill, that's all people are talking about.
1: Instead of addressing how inflation is hurting American families in order to connect with voters for the midterms, Van Lahr explains that Democrats are focusing on another issue.
3: If they, then if they talked about the stories that will actually connect them, to voters, I mean, Nancy Pelosi could tell us about her terrible time on the private jet going out to officiate at Ivy Getty's wedding and just how terrible it was to have to drive past those tents. And she might think she's trying to connect with people about homelessness or something about air travel that nobody likes. But I don't think that would really connect. And the other thing that they're thinking that they want to connect with people on is telling stories about their abortion.
1: When asked why Democrats are choosing to focus on abortion rather than inflation, Van Lahr had this to say.
3: The Roe versus Wade issue does pull very well for the Democrats, so they're going to want to focus on that because they know they lose on inflation because even if they empathize, it's their policies that are causing it and their president, who's not doing anything about it, and in fact, making it worse. So it's kind of, I think they're going to try to, Connect more on abortion because they feel they have the upper hand there. But if we're just storytelling about how difficult it was to go find your abortion 50 years ago, I, I just don't understand how that is going to connect with everyday people.
1: When it comes to hoping that Democrats will change their messaging on inflation, Van Lahr is skeptical.
3: Even the same day that this story came out in Politico, uh, apparently the Dems leadership must have gotten to Katie Porter because that very night she went on MSNBC talking about how inflation underscores the need for abortion access because people need to be able to control how many mouths they have to feed. (laughs) That was just a stunning take on it to me.
1: Our special thanks to Jennifer Van Laar for joining the Daybreak Insider podcast. And for more from Jennifer, go to redstate.com and follow her on Twitter at Jen Van Lahr. The European Union has slashed its forecast for economic growth in the 27 nation bloc amid the prospects of a drawn out Russian war in Ukraine and disruptions to energy supplies. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House. details on that story.
0: The EU's executive arm says gross domestic product will expand 2.7% this year and 2.3% in 2023. It's the European Commission's first economic predictions since Russia invaded Ukraine in February. The previous outlook was expected growth of 4% this year and 2.8% in 2023.
1: And finally, the Florida man with no flying experience who kept his cool while landing a small plane has finally come forward. Darren Harrison says the hand of God was on him after the pilot collapsed at the controls. He managed to radio for help and was coached by an air traffic controller to a safe landing at Palm Beach International Airport. Harrison says it all started when the pilot told him he wasn't feeling well. At that point, I knew if I didn't react that, that we would die. And so I reached over his body because he's at this point unresponsive. I kind of put my arm over to where my elbow is sitting here and I grabbed the controls of the airplane. Then Harrison says his survival instincts kicked in. When I was flying and saw the state of Florida, at that second I knew I'm going to land the airplane. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to have to land this airplane because there's no other option. Harrison goes on to say he knew his life was on the line when he took control of the plane. I knew it was a life or death situation. Either you do what you have to do to control the situation or you're going to die. And that's what I did.